Good evening, everybody. It's so good to see you here at this special service. Would you stand to your feet? Come on, we're going to start with a time of worship together. here at the assembly. It's so good to see each and every one of you. Would you take a minute, step out from your seat and welcome somebody to church tonight.
Long ago, God made a promise to his people. He would dwell among them. His holiness made its home within the temple, cloaked within the Holy of Holies, shrouded behind a heavy curtain. One day each year, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies to make amends for the sins of God's children. But first, the high priest needed to prepare himself to enter God's holy presence. He had to be cleansed. He had to be humbled. The high priest was often resplendent, dressed in flowing robes made of the finest threads, dyed in brilliant colors, encrusted with gold and glittering gemstones. He was clothed in the garments of a king. But on the Day of Atonement, the priest removed his kingly robes, laying aside his splendor. Then he bathed, using water to wash away his impurities. Finally, he put on new garments of white linen. His clothing for this solemn day was marked by simplicity and humility. The high priest then went out and selected two goats, which were led to the entrance of the temple in the presence of the Lord and all the people. Each would play a sacred role. One would live, and one would die. To decide, the high priest would cast lots. A scarlet ribbon was tied to the goat who would live, and the other goat was sentenced to death. For if the sins of the people were to be forgiven, blood had to be spilled. The priest then took some of the blood and carried it into the Holy of Holies. There, in God's presence, the blood of the slain goat was sprinkled to make atonement for the sins of the people. Once finished, the high priest returned to the entrance of the temple where the other goat waited. The high priest laid both his hands upon the remaining goat and confessed over it all the sins of the people. Having taken on its heavy burden, the goat was then led out of the city, far out into the wilderness. And when it had been led to a remote place, foreign and strange, it was abandoned there alone, forsaken, left to wander. Through these rituals, a covenant was maintained, an atonement was made. But a greater atonement was coming for the priest, the sacrifice, and the scapegoat pointed to a future Savior. Each of these amazing ways of experiencing Jesus Christ and what he has done for you and me. In the Old Testament, we are given what we are called, what we are called shadows or types. They're pointing to a day when we would have the completeness or the fulfillment of all of those incredible shadows or types in the person of Jesus Christ. I can remember one day as a, a little boy, I had gotten separated from my mom in a grocery store. I mean, I was searching for her and I came to the end of this aisle and I could see the shadow of a person coming around the aisle. And I thought, that's my mom. 
But when I actually saw her, I can just tell you, she was a lot better than the shadow. Like the shadow gave me a sense of comfort, but the reality of my mom changed everything. The high priest, it's like a shadow pointing to that point in time when Jesus comes in fullness. Many times in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as a high priest. He's the one who goes to the Father on our behalf. He is the one who came from heaven to earth and he left the splendor and the majesty of heaven and took on the form of man. Just like the high priest in the Old Testament who would move throughout the community robed in splendor, but yet on that one day would derobe from the splendor and the majesty of his garments of royalty and he would be clothed in that of a commoner as in humility, he prepared himself to go into the actual presence of God. However, Jesus, our high priest, though similar is yet very distinct. I want you to see how the writer of Hebrews identifies Jesus, our high priest. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. So here are the differences. You have Jesus, the high priest, who was blameless, pure, sinless. And because of his perfection, when he offers sacrifice, it's not for his sins and for the sins of the people. It's just for the sins of humanity because he's perfect. Blameless, pure, sinless. And because of his perfection, when he offered himself as a sacrifice, unlike that of the Old Testament high priest who had to come through this ritual year after year, and in some cases, day after day. We rejoice tonight because when Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice, it was once and for all. So let that settle into your heart tonight as we reflect on Christ. He was of a different order. So many similarities to these Old Testament high priests, but yet so different because as the high priest of the Old Testament would go out and select the goats, one to be the sacrificial goat, one to be the scapegoat, you realize that Jesus, who is our high priest, then turns and offers himself to be our sacrifice. It's interesting, this scapegoat, the high priest would take his hands and place it upon the head of this scapegoat, and then he would announce the sin of the people over it, and then it would be led away. And the Bible says that it would be led away to the wilderness. Now, you and I think of wilderness differently than ancient Near East. Uh, the wilderness in that time was a place of desolation. It was a place of complete separation. So like this goat would be led away never to return again. And it is a shadow of what would be fulfilled in Christ, letting us see that there was coming a day when our sins would not just be covered for a season, but they would be taken away to be remembered no more. Not only do you have this scapegoat that was chosen by the high priest, this other goat was chosen to actually be sacrificed. Our high priest, Jesus Christ, offers himself to be sacrificed. Again, I want you to see the differences. In the Old Testament, the goats were chosen by, it was more random, by chance. Like, they seemed to fit qualifications, so uh, by chance they were chosen. And then, 
Lots were cast to see which one would be the scapegoat and which one would be sacrificed. But when it comes to Jesus, our high priest, who then offers himself to be the sacrifice, there's absolutely no randomness or chance. It's all by choice. Matter of fact, when we come to the events leading up to the cross and through the crucifixion, we find that it's one decision, one deliberate decision after the other of Jesus making the choice to be our sacrifice. As we come through the sequence of these events, I want you to again reflect. I want you to consider this, that he offered himself. It starts at 11 o'clock on a Thursday night. As Jesus knelt on the wet ground of the Garden of Gethsemane, there Jesus said, if there's any other way, then let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, your will, not my will be done. And there in the garden, he made a choice to submit. It's now Friday, 1 a.m. He is now surrounded by swords. They're going to apprehend him. They grab him so that in case he tries to get away, they can prevent that from happening. And here is the one who could have gotten away. Here's the one who could have called thousands of angels to do his bidding. But there in the garden, he made a choice. A choice to surrender. It is now 1 a.m. And on that Friday morning, this mockery of a trial begins. He is falsely accused. There are so many inconsistencies coming from the false witnesses that Jesus easily could have pointed them out. But he chose, he chose to surrender. By 2 a.m., Pilate in his confusion trying to manage the tension, he finally moves to this, the cruelty of ordering him beaten. It's unspeakable, it's unthinkable. That Jesus, our high priest, now becoming the sacrifice and submitting himself to the agony and enduring the shame and enduring the pain as these Roman soldiers in all of their cruelty and brutality beat him to where he's basically unrecognizable. The stripes upon his back, the crown of thorns, literally hammered into his brow. And at any moment, he could have stopped it all. So by choice, he submits himself. By Friday morning at 9 a.m., he bears this cross upon his beaten body, and he takes it as far as he can. Finally, collapsing in agony and anguish, Someone else picks up the cross, they go the rest of the way, and finally they're at Golgotha, they're at Calvary. They're the soldiers. They nail him to the cross, hands and feet.
They lift him up between these thieves. He pulls himself up by those nails in agony to take each breath. And one of these evil men, they say, you know, if you're the son of God, why don't you save yourself and us? And he's the only man in history who could have saved himself. But he chose to endure the pain. And finally, on Friday, at three o'clock, this Friday, at three o'clock, he lifts up a final shout and says, it is finished. And he chose to die. And when you consider this high priest who left the royalty, majesty, and splendor of heaven and didn't take issue with becoming in form of man and humbling himself, that would be one thing. But to make no limits of his love, then to step into the place of offering himself to be the sacrifice, the one who knew no sin, becoming sin that we might become the righteousness of God. The one who chose to bear the sin of all humanity. To me, there is but one response and that's overwhelming gratitude and evaluation. When the high priest would take his hands like this and place it on the head of that scapegoat and announce the sin. And then that scapegoat would be taken away, taken into the wilderness, again, desolate, remote, separated, never to return again. It's what the psalmist was, was picking up on in foreshadowing the work of Christ. He said in Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. See, every day that scapegoat kept going farther and farther, taking the sins of the people away farther and farther. Jesus, our high priest, our sacrifice and our scapegoat, he died and he rose again and he lives. And when we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And let me remind you, in case your, your history keeps trying to chase you down and what you've done keeps trying to bring regret, guilt, and shame, if you have confessed your sins, then the Lord has removed those sins as far as the east is from the west. And every single day, those sins get farther and farther and farther away. <laughs> to reflect on the gift of God in his son, Jesus Christ, is to see this one who, if we could even dare wrap our natural minds around it, he robed himself of the splendor and majesty of heaven, clothed himself in the garments of humility, preparing himself to then step into the place and become a sacrifice acceptable to God, to offer payment for our sin, to offer himself, to take upon himself all of our sins so that they could be removed to satisfy the truth that says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The one who loved the world and gave himself that whosoever will that believes on him because of his sacrifice could know eternal life, could know the gift of God, the gift of salvation. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we take communion tonight, and I want you to be preparing 
But could, matter of fact, let me just ask you for a second. Just set that aside. We'll reach for communion in just a moment. But there's something I feel like would be effective and meaningful for us to do. Paul says, anytime we take communion, we should evaluate. He says, let a man examine himself. Is there anything that you need to bring to God tonight that you need to confess? If this is your first time to walk in this building, we welcome you and we want you to take communion. So you don't have to be a member of our church to do this, but you need to be right with God. You don't need to take communion if your heart's not right with him. The sacrifice I've just explained, it's way too high a price to take flippantly or religiously or certainly as some kind of ritual. We're not about that. This is real life and he gave himself in our place. And the stipulation to take communion is to be in a spirit of surrender and just say, Lord, I bring before you anything that would be a hindrance in my relationship with you. Confessing any known sin and letting him remove it, letting him take it away. So this is what I want you to do. Before we take the communion elements in our hand, take your hands and I want you to just put one over the other, just like this. And instead of acting as though we're a high priest laying our hands on the head of one of the goats that by chance was selected, with the sin you need to confess, I want you just to imagine you're placing your hands on the head of Jesus Christ who chose Take your place. And to take my place. The one who knew no sin, yet became sin. Now, let's confess our sin. With our eyes closed, Lord, we just come before you. And with a sincere heart, we confess our sins. We ask you to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. And Lord, tonight we are so grateful that as we confess that you remove those sins and those transgressions as far as the east is from the west. And we thank you for it. Amen. And now as we take communion together, just prepare that. One of the most important things to know is on the night that Jesus was with his disciples before they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is in the book of John. It says that Jesus gets up and he takes a basin and a towel and he begins to wash their feet. Now, remember in the Old Testament, the high priest had to uh, go through a, a very significant and specific time of cleansing in order to be ready to go into the presence of God. But that night on, in the upper room, Jesus has no need to wash himself because he's perfect. He is washing their feet. And it, it, it just screams with all that God has been setting in motion through the ages. And now the fulfillment of every type and shadow is right there in front of those disciples. And out of that room, he goes to the garden and he chooses to submit. And from there to the trial, and he chooses to surrender. And from the trial to the beating, and he chooses to endure the agony. And from the beating all the way to Calvary, where they drive the nails in his hands and feet. And he chooses to take those nails. He chooses as he's hanging between the thieves and 
and he's being mocked and challenged and, and could have at any moment come down off that cross, chose all the way to the point of choosing death. And that was Friday. But Sunday was on the way. And on Sunday morning, he rose and he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He made a show of Satan openly and stripped Satan and all demons of their authority. And though Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, tonight we honor the one who came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. We bless his name tonight. On the night that he was going to be betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and said, give thanks for this is my body, which is broken for you. Shall we eat together? It was then in that same manner that he took the cup and he said, this, man, now let it rush in over you. All the sacrifices of the Old Testament. But those sacrifices were only powerful enough to cover the sins of the people for a season. He's now saying, this is the new covenant in my blood shed for you. And because he's the perfect high priest who becomes the sacrifice when he sheds his blood, it will be once and for all. And by his blood, we are forgiven, we are free, we are brought into relationship with him. Shall we partake of the cup together? Thank you, God, that in your perfection, you gave us the Bible so carefully worded so that we could really see and understand your love through the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We give you all the praise and the honor in Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your blood tonight. Come on all across this place. Would you lift your hands with me? We're going to enter into a time of worship tonight as we reflect on the work of the cross. Jesus, we give you our worship tonight. Come on, let's sing this together. We sing when I survey.
just uh, in anticipation of Easter Sunday because it's already our story. Let's come back to that verse and on the third. And I want you to sing this with all of your heart. Come on, let's just lift our hearts in the kind of worship that the Lord is worthy to receive the one who paid it all. Let's sing that and then I'll close in prayer.
And all of God's people said, man, he's so good to us. And this is such a strong start to this amazing weekend. And we're going to do this every year, right? Let's do this. Man, look, this whole place to see all of you here to make the effort on a Friday night. It blesses me and it, it just says so much about your love for Jesus and what he's done for you. Now, we're going to serve thousands of people tomorrow. And I want you to help us. Most of you are on the team. If you're not, you show up. There will be something for you to do. And uh, we're going to have a great day. And then we're coming in here Sunday at 9 and 1045. The 9 o'clock experience, it is a ministry in more of a traditional presentation. So if you have friends and you know that would best connect, invite them. 1045 is a contemporary experience. So invite your friends to that. And we want to see people get saved. That's what we want. We want to see people saved. Now, the reason and the, the only reason that we would do tomorrow is because we'll get a lot of people here tomorrow that may not respond to this invitation, but they'll come tomorrow with their kids. And while they're here, you can be connecting with them and you can say, you got to come with us tomorrow. It, just come. It's Easter Sunday. Uh, statistics say that most people that you invite to church on an Easter Sunday, they'll come. And so uh, we've had more social media uh, exposure with this carnival in the way people are sharing it. So it just tells you it's going to connect, but we're doing it for a purpose. And that is to just have a way to connect with our community and to put on a great fun day and use it to give a good impression about the church. We should be like the funnest people on the planet. Yeah. And, and we can say, be here tomorrow. You will absolutely love it. So thank you all. And I see a lot of kids here. JD, will you help me? And Pastor Becky, one of our children's pastors, come on up. Go, go get that, Robert. I've got something here. We're going to dismiss, but if your kids want to come up here, I've got something for them. I love you so much. Have the most amazing night. God bless you and good Friday.